Immigration Advocates Network podcast. Welcome. Today we'll discuss a recent Board of Immigration Appeals decision on motions to administratively close. Matter of Avetsian. Our guest is Nadine Wetstein, who worked for many years for the American Immigration Law Foundation, now known as the American Immigration Council. Recently, Nadine worked at Clinic, Catholic Legal Immigration Network Incorporated, and currently she is the new co-author of the Immigration Law Service Treatise, published by West. Welcome, Nadine. Thank you, Pat. My name is Pat Malone. I'm with the Immigration Advocates Network. Well, Nadine, let's just start right in with questions. As a way of introduction, what is a motion to administratively close, and what does it accomplish? A motion to administratively close is really for the convenience of the court and the parties, and uh, it's a, a administrative closure takes the case off the active calendar of the immigration judge or the Board of Immigration Appeals. It is not a permanent thing. It does not close the case temp- uh, permanently. It does not not a final order. It's a temporary move the case off the calendar uh, device. And it's to be contrasted with a termination of the case, which is actually the case is over when the case is terminated, and if the government wants to restart that case, it has to file a new notice to appear or NTA. With a motion to administratively close or with administrative closure, if one of the parties wants to get the case back on the calendar, it files a motion to recalendar, not a motion to reopen. So that's that's the distinction. Thank you. And how have administrative closure motions been handled in the past prior to this new board decision? Yes, this is a very significant change because in the past, the judge was not authorized to grant a motion to administratively close a case unless if one of the parties objected. And typically that was the DHS, the government, the trial attorney, who would object to a motion to administratively close a case that a respondent would file or say in court. And so it was basically a veto by the government over this procedure. Uh, so in this board case, the board has now changed that in a very significant way. And can you talk a little bit about the case itself, the facts, and what the board decided? Sure. The case w- was a very simple and probably pretty typical situation where the respondent was uh, is married to a person who uh, was a lawful permanent resident in LPR at the inception of the case when she, when she first uh, was issued this NTA, and then she uh, went into court and said that her husband was had applied for naturalization, and she asked for continuances, and continuances were granted. By my count, there were about at least 10 continuances and, and reschedulings of hearings uh, over the course of five years. And eventually, uh, she, her husband became a, a naturalized citizen. She filed, uh, uh, or he filed a petition for her to immigrate her, and apparently that was, there was no reason why she shouldn't have been granted it. It was just pending with DHS. And so they kept going into court, and the case kept getting continued, and there was no uh, reason on her side. She was eligible. She had filed everything she needed to file, and the, and the board says this in this decision, and they were just waiting. 
Uh, apparently, at no fault of her own, she was just waiting. And so the case kept getting continued. She filed to, uh, she requested administrative closure in court. The government objected, so the judge denied it. And then they had another couple of hearings where she showed up for court. And again, she asked to administratively close the case. And finally, the judge granted that uh, over the government's objection, and the government appealed. So that's how the case came up to the board. And what happened on appeal? What did the Board of Immigration Appeals decide? Right. The board said that its policy until then had been that if a party objects to administratively closing the case, that the judge cannot do that. And the court said, uh, the board said that that was uh, no longer going to be the case. They explicitly overruled their prior precedent. And they said that the immigration judges and the board, this applies to both immigration judges and the board, um, should not defer to the service or either party, if either party objects. Uh, the judge needs to make an independent decision, needs to exercise its discretion, the judge's discretion or the BIA's discretion. And uh, even if a party, even if the government objects to administratively closing the case, the judge still needs to uh, exercise the judge's own discretion and decided the case um, on the merits based, based on all the factors. What are the factors that the Board of Immigration Appeals identifies for consideration of a motion to administratively close? If there are several factors set out in the decision itself, but the Board says these are not exclusive, the, the, the judge or the BIA can consider other factors. But the factors they do identify include the reason that the party is seeking to uh, administratively close the case. And again, it can be either party, the respondent or the government. Uh, the basis for any opposition to the closure. So if the government, say, objects, what's the basis for that objection? The likelihood that the petitioner, or the respondent rather, will succeed on any petition, application, or any underlying action they're pursuing. The anticipated duration of the closure, in other words, how long the party who's moving anticipates that the case would be closed. The responsibility of uh, either party, if there is any responsibility for contributing to the current delay, and again, in this case, it was the government that was contributing to the delay, and the ultimate outcome of the removal proceedings themselves. In other words, if we administratively close this case and you are, your status is adjusted, is that, does that mean that, that the, the immigration judge then can terminate the case? So those are the factors they outline. But again, there, could, there can be other factors, and the judge and the BIA need to consider uh, those factors. Can you tell us about how an attorney uh, should make the motion, whether it can be done orally, and if it's in writing or even orally, what should be submitted with a motion to administratively close? Yes. Well, in this case itself, the motion apparently was, was made uh, orally and it was granted in court by the immigration judge now. The motion, of course, was made by the respondent who asked the case to be administratively closed. And the judge uh, initially denied it and then ultimately, um, after another couple of hearings, granted it. So it can be done in court. Um, however, if it's probably more likely to be granted if you, as usual, do a good job and ahead of time uh, file the motion in file it timely and generally unless the client is detained generally, that's 15 days before the master calendar or before the individual calendar hearing, and file documentation with it. And you should use the cover sheet that the, that the uh, 
Immigration Court has provided a sample of in the Immigration Court Practice Manual, which is available uh, through Ian and also on EOIR's website. It's an extremely helpful document. In the appendix, um, in the appendices, it shows a sample of the cover sheet that the Immigration Court wants you to use, and it shows exactly what it's supposed to look like. It's really helpful to look at the appendix to see what that is supposed to look like. So the motion itself should include this cover page and the position of the government or the other party explaining what their position is. Um, obviously, ideally, uh, you will have to talk to the trial attorney and have their position, and so you can state their position. Um, if they don't oppose, then it's uh, probably much more likely it's going to be granted. If they do oppose, then you should explain why they oppose. And if you have been unable to get in touch with the attorney for the government, uh, then you should explain what your efforts have been to do that. In fact, if you sent an email, it's probably a good idea to include a copy of the email and indicate what the response was, if there was any response. Also, the practice manual says that uh, motions in general, all motions in writing, are supposed to include proposed orders. So if you do file this motion ahead of time, then you should include include a proposed order. And again, the manual provides a sample of the proposed order, what it's supposed to look like. This is the order that you want the judge to sign. Um, the motion, as all motions, should include any kind of documentation that supports your motion. So if you're saying that you uh, filed a and you're pending with a uh, adjustment application, you should submit copies of those documents to, to document what you're saying and prove um, uh, you know, this situation as you allege it to be. If you're saying, as in this case, that you appeared in court X number of times, you can certainly include that um, in your motion. You don't have to submit a brief with the motion, but it is good to include some explanation. And if there's case support for you, then you definitely want to explain the case support in a short memorandum. So that is what the motion that you file ahead of time should look like. Are there any strategic considerations, any circumstances in which an attorney might not move to administratively close a case? Well, obviously it depends on the situation. Uh, there might be a case, for example, where you think that you'll actually have more success from the judge than you would from, say, DHS uh, in a certain situation. In that case, you'd want to keep the case in front of the judge. Uh, there might be a situation, for example, where you uh, have filed an asylum application and your asylum clock is running and you want to keep the asylum clock running. And if you file a motion to administratively close and the judge is going to take that into consideration, wait for the response from the government, say, for example, that might stop your clock and you might not want to do that. So, so under those circumstances, you might not want to file a motion to administratively close a case. And Nadine, are there any um, broader implications for this board decision? Actually, there are definitely some broader uh, applications for the implications for the for the decision. The board was very clear that the judges should not be uh, deferring to the government, should not allow the government to exercise veto power over these kinds of decisions. And the board said that judge must exercise, and use the word must, exercise his or her independent judgment and discretion. So that's very significant language. 
um, and very significant holding, really. And the, the board further said that judge may take any action consistent with the act and regulations that is appropriate and necessary for the disposition of the case and cited the regulations. So really, this applies to other kinds of motions, too, the motion to change venue, motion to continue, and also the granting of relief, um, granting of uh, matters dealing with release and bond. So it's a very good case, really, for people. Well, this is good news for all of us. And is there anything else that you'd like to add or observe about the case before we wrap up today? Well, maybe just some more, some more practical things if people are filing motions, just things that they might want to keep in mind. If you're filing something by mail, keep in mind that the BIA and the immigration courts do not have the mailbox rule. So uh, something is not considered filed until it is received by the court. So if there's a deadline, so for example, for filing this kind of motion I mentioned, typically it's 15 days ahead of the master calendar or individual calendar. Uh, don't consider the 15 days to have been met if you mail it. It has to be filed. It has to be received. Um, so that's the kind of just sort of general guidelines and very specific guidelines that are included in the practice manual. I definitely recommend people use the practice manual. It's a very handy device. Well, thank you, Nadine Wetstein, for your time today, and best wishes to you and your work on the Immigration Law Service Treatise. The Thanks, Immigration Advocates Network Library has a copy of this board decision online, and also you may access Chapter 5 of the Immigration Court Practice Manuals for Guidelines on Motions in General. In addition, in our library, we have uh, other informative podcasts, webinars, court decisions, and resources, and we invite you to take a closer look. Thanks once again, Nadine, and we'll hope to talk to you soon.